This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. And now your host, his favorite chewy candies are Swedish Fish, he's my dad, Brandon Burton. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to Chamber Chat Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Burton, and it is my goal to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor for this episode is Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions. Is your chamber struggling to drive the revenue it needs to support your initiatives? It's a common problem, and one that our new title sponsor, Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions, knows a lot about. Doug and Bill Holman aren't just sales consultants, they're real-life chamber guys with 20-plus years of chamber leadership experience. They know how to diagnose and solve member recruiting issues faster and better than anyone else, and they're ready to put that knowledge to work for you and your chamber. Call the Holman Brothers today at 619-852-1391 or check them out at holmanbros.com. That's H-O-L-M-A-N-B-R-O-S.com. Our guest for this episode is Brad Hicks. Brad is the newly retired or rewired president and CEO of the Chamber of Medford, Jackson County in Oregon, a position he held since the end of 1999. Brad began his career at the Chamber in 1993. He has been called, and with good reason, Southern Oregon's business leader. Under his direction, the Chamber has embraced a new era of business leadership that blends the best of traditional Chamber with today's necessity for top-notch and powerful business advocacy. During his tenure at the helm, the Chamber has grown into one of Oregon's largest and longest-standing statewide business associations. Brad is often sought out for his perspective on business and political issues and has been featured on the CBS Early Show, Fox News, the Los Angeles Times, San Francisco Chronicle, Fortune, Wall Street Journal, Forbes, and he can now add the Chamber Chat podcast to this impressive list. Today, as a result of Brad's leadership, the Chamber continues to support pro-business policies that will provide enduring benefits for the state economy and as a member of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Committee of 100, he is widely regarded as one of the top influencers in the Oregon political landscape and the chamber industry in the United States. Brad recently completed a successful term as chairman of the board for WACE. Brad enjoys travel and investing his time in Southern Oregon. He and his wife, Kimberly, have one son, Jonathan. Well, Brad, I am excited to have you with me today on the Chamber Chat Podcast. You've come highly recommended by a couple different people, but if you would, <laughs> uh, you take take a few moments to say hello to all the Chamber Champions that are out there listening and share something interesting about yourself so we can all get to know you a little oh, better. Something interesting. Well, Brandon, uh, first, thank you. And and you're going to have to pick better friends if they're recommending me for your uh, podcast. Um, uh, some poor judgment out there, apparently. Um, <laughs> and happy, happy Constitution Day. Not a lot of people uh, think about that or celebrate that. But, um, you know, what was it, 234 years ago today, uh, a few uh, 
few folks got together and signed, I think, now the longest lasting constitution in human history. Um, so it's, uh, it's being ignored, but it's still standing. So happy that's Constitution right. Day. Um, maybe that's something interesting. Well, I don't know if that's interesting or not. I was going to say maybe that's something interesting about myself as I'm, I'm kind of a junkie <laughs> for uh, political history. But um, let's see, what would, what would uh, be a thing well, you can see some of the stuff behind me. One of the things just out of uh, view for you, Brandon, is a, a really old uh, tattered baseball. And uh, it's a, a home run ball that I hit at a Pittsburgh Pirates uh, minicamp or tryout off of their number one draft pick. Nice. That so, is pretty cool. Yeah, that was uh, that was my uh, <clears throat> fifteen seconds of fame, I guess. You must have had some kind of a background in baseball, I would assume. No, I picked the wrong parking lot, and I just walked out there and grabbed a bat. And uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, uh, yeah, baseball was <laughs> was uh, one of my early interests, and uh, spent spent a lot of time on and around uh, baseball diamonds and and. Uh, I hope to I hope to get to do some more of that in the future. Watching. Well, yeah, watching. Yeah. Well, at this point, I'd like for you to share a little bit about the chamber that you yeah. just recently retired from. I understand you're still doing quite a bit of uh, close work with. And uh, I'd like oh. to just get some perspective as to the the type of size, staff, that sort of thing. And uh, we'll go to that point. Yeah. Well, uh, some of this, uh, you know, might be a repeat for a lot of my friends after 30 years in the industry. I've got a lot of friends in the chamber biz around the country, but um, so many of them know, but I suppose many don't. Uh, My background before coming to the chamber was in the legislative arena. I had run a house office and two Senate offices in the state legislature and then worked for one of our members of Congress and was pretty active in um, the campaign, uh, on the campaign circuit. I always say everything from dog catcher to president of the United States, um, I've been on or run uh, campaigns at a lot of levels. But um, uh, I wanted to move home to Southern Oregon. My mother was in poor health. I wanted to be closer to my family. And and I thought, uh, well, I'll go home and, and see what somebody uh, my age and, and uh, uh, limited experience can do in Southern Oregon. So I drove around, um, I was a joke. I, I drove around looking for buildings with domes on them because that's all I'd ever worked in and I couldn't <laughs> find one. So, <laughs> so I, I dropped, uh, dropped a resume off at the chamber and uh, the rest is history. I, I, I was familiar with our specific chamber because I was the staff person on the other end of the line setting up legislative hotlines for chamber members or for um, our legislative members with this chamber. And um, so I knew that there was a high degree of interest in issue advocacy um, uh, at our chamber. And I thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe that's someplace I could ply my trade and you know, here we are almost 30 years later, um, just putting a, uh, a period or maybe an exclamation point on the end of it. Um, 
have you been doing since retiring? What what have you been up to? <laughs> um, well, uh, I, I remember my dad making a statement and I thought it was the silliest thing I'd ever heard. But after he retired um, to, to continue to care for my mother, he said, I don't know how I ever had time to work. And <laughs> I, I'm finding... I'm finding that uh, he was right. There seems to be so much to do. In fact, sometimes I kind of wish I had to go to the office um, because there seems to be so so many things to do that I was previously unaware of um, that are now on my calendar and my to-do list. But, um, you know, you mentioned this uh, at the top of the show. Uh, I am uh, I set up a consultancy called RBI. I had to get a baseball reference in there. That's right. Um, because we all know in business and in politics, if you don't score runs, you don't win. And so I chose RBI because I think, um, you know, RBIs, runs batted in, are one of the uh, undersung statistics in baseball. People like to talk about diving catches and grand slam home runs. But again, you know, you, you've got to you've got to knock some runs across the plate to win. But RBI also stands for representing business issues. And, um, you know, that was something that years ago came out of the WACE tool uh, toolkit work that we did. And it was it was one of the most important things that chamber members said they want their chambers to do for them, represent business issues. Through lobbying, issue advocacy, and political action, candidate work, right? Recruiting, financing, and electing pro-business candidates. And I hope we get to talk a little bit more about that because that's a, a, a real passion. And, and if I could just quickly circling back, you asked me to kind of recap my time at the history. And what I didn't say was um, when I started at the chamber, we had just about a thousand members and we had Main, that had been a number that we had maintained for a pretty long period of time. We had been just under, just over a thousand members for a long time. And even through my first, you know, six or seven years as a staff person at the chamber, we were um, a basically a thousand member chamber. I knew if we were going to gain clout in the political arena from my days working in the legislature, um, you know, is typically the 800-pound gorillas that, that get the most attention. So you've either got to be really big or have a lot of money. I knew we wouldn't have a lot of money. So I set out to make our chamber larger. And over about a six-year period of time, we went from about 1,000 members to over 1,700 members, which made us one of the eight largest chambers on the West Coast. Um, and uh, certainly the largest chamber in the state of Oregon, even larger than our state association at the time. So suddenly, when you pick up the phone and you call the governor's office or, um, uh, you know, some representative's office, um, if, if they're paying attention to how many folks you represent, they, they take the call, they take the meeting. Yeah, gives you a lot more clout for sure. Yep. And uh, talk about runs back. From 1,000 to 1,700 members, That's those are a lot of runs coming in. <laughs> and we, we pushed a lot of runs across the plate um, <laughs> over that period of time. And, and that was a real, it was a real fun time uh, to be part of our chamber's history 
because not only were we growing, but we were really getting a lot of things done. And, and then, of course, nobody needs to be reminded that, you know, then we went headlong into a great recession, uh, lifted our heads up for a little bit, and then went, you know, headlong into a, a global pandemic and, and in our region, uh, catastrophic wildfires. So there, there have been a lot of things beyond our control that, you know, that have torn, torn down a lot of the work, a lot of things that we built uh, have been knocked over, but um, um, I'm confident in our community and our members and our chamber and, and the people that are on the team now that they'll be able to rebuild that in time. Are you looking for a year-round affordable and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar. Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. So you happen to mention the the wildfires there in, in Oregon and throughout the yeah. West Coast, really. And we'll, we'll kind of use that to segue into our topic for just <laughs> running into the fire of advocacy. Um, yeah. And our, our back and forth all, you had mentioned to me that during this time, especially that you're running away from the opportunity that they have to really shine. Yeah. I And, and a few that are running into the fire. So tell us what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you talk to, uh, you live in the Pacific Northwest. You talk to a lot of firefighters and BLM folks and forestry folks over the course of a career and, and, you know, there's this, this idea of, you know, those who run away from the fire and those who run into the fire. And, and I was thinking about that as a metaphor for chambers and their approach to, um, well, sometimes even issue adv advocacy, but certainly um, the area of political action, recruiting candidates, uh, pro-business candidates who are going to do um, well or they're going to do good um, by our members as opposed to doing harm. You know, in, in our industry, we are regularly polled. What's the most important issue in your community? What do you think is the most important member uh, uh, issue to your members? Who knows? I mean, at the end of the day, who knows? Here's what I do know. There's nothing more important than who decides on those issues. I mean, at the end of the day, those issues are those issues, and they're going to confront our, our communities um, 
whether we like it or not, issues of land use and issues of wildfire and issues of homelessness and issues of, of poverty and, and education or lack thereof. Um, you know, we're all tackling really difficult issues. Um, and our individual chambers are not always going to be the lead voice on those issues. In fact, quite often not the lead voice, just a contributor in the choir um, to that overall voice. But where we can make a big difference is helping choose who gets to decide. Who decides in your on your city council, who decides in your board of commissioners and your state legislature um, what the best thing uh, is on those, you know, the best direction on those policy issues. So we took a pr- this approach. Um, I remember the day we actually got our board to approve because the first time I proposed it, it failed. Um, and that was the formation of our political action committee. But I think when I said this in the, the second go around, and I think it resonated with people, if you want to change the policy, you've got to change the people. Mm-hmm. And, and the point that I made that I think resonated with our own board was this. For a hundred years prior to the time I made that statement and pitched a pack to our organization, our organization had a long and and um, successful record of issue advocacy. Um, I mean, I found records going back a hundred years where we were arguing about wildfire, you know, forest management issues and transportation. And so we had this long, rich history of being pretty good on the issue advocacy side, but never played on the candidate side of the ledger. And, and I, you know, finally it occurred to me, all of our best issue advocacy efforts are being frustrated by the wrong people getting elected. Yeah. So that really stood out to me when you want to change policy, you need to change the people. And I'm thinking I can't pinpoint, you know, many, many times where I've seen a politician have the, if if you need the policy to change, you need to change the people. Um, Right. I'm curious. Right. I'm curious in your area. I mean, you guys worked hard to become big, to become a chamber that has impact, to be heard by some of these people in government on the, some of these issues. And with that, so you've got a lot of power. Um, it's a responsibility, right, to represent those businesses, those business issues as RBIs. Yeah. Um, in today's world, things have obviously become very polar divisive when it comes to politics. What? So as a chamber, as a chamber, <laughs> how do you try to balance that by, uh, I know some would have a fear of maybe losing membership, losing some support when overall, if you can see the path, and yeah, you may have some collateral damage. I mean, what has, how do you go about that in your mind? Well, uh, I grew up in a family, a small business family. My parents were small town grocers, and I watched them go bankrupt in the recession of the early 80s. And a lot of that fueled my passion and my heart for small business people and the issues that they face. And I think that's ultimately how I wound up at the chamber and why I had so much passion and energy for the issues that um, help businesses succeed 
and the and the issues that that kill business and thwart business and thwart free enterprise. Um, so I always, you know, when I walked in the door, I my attitude was um, I am never going to apologize for defending our members and for defending free enterprise. I'm just not going to do it. There's there's a lot of negotiables, but I'm not going to apologize um, for um, standing up for the issues that make our members successful. Um, the you know any of my friends that are listening to this know that I, I'm I'm kind of a keeper of quotes, um, and I particularly I love um, Winston Churchill. And, and he said, there's no greater thrill than being shot at to no effect. <laughs> uh, so, so what you have to know is, um, this is, this is who I am. This is who my organization is. This is the mission of the organization unapologetically. This is the mission of my organization. And we are going to go out and we're going to say and do things that benefit the people that pay the freight whether other people like it or not. And it isn't that you go out and, and endeavor or purpose to make enemies. If you can do that in a collaborative and a friendly way, great. Um, but you're exactly right. It's, it, it is a road uh, full of bumps and potholes. Um, you know, what's the other quote? John Wayne said, uh, courage is being afraid, but saddling up anyway. Yeah. You know, organizationally, we spent sometimes weeks talking about whether or not we were even the right organization to carry a message. Like, is this, are we going to marginalize this message because it's got the na- the chamber's name attached to it? Or, you know, here we are in the middle of a, a membership or a fundraising development campaign, and we're going to take an issue on or a position on the most controversial issue in our whole state. Uh, do we, or don't we? And I'm so proud of our, you know, board over the last 30 years and our staff. Um, and to say, you know, when, whenever we were faced with those situations, every time without fail, we walked into the fire. I love that. And I think this is one of those topics that a chamber can really, if they're listening, they can really get some value out of to really what is best for their businesses, for their members to really see, like you said, having those pro-business candidates elected, support them, make a stance and see how your members support you. I mean, for those, for those chambers that hear members say, I don't know what my chamber for something that's going to support these businesses that are your members. They'll remember that when the time comes around. Well, Brandon, you are exactly right. And, you know, to put it in different terms instead of walking into or running away from the fire and all that stuff, I, I could probably just simplify it by say, by saying um, it's easy to look at things from our own perspective in defense of your chamber safety, what's easier, what's harder and all those sorts of things. Our members want us to be proactive, right? And silence equals indifference. Mm-hmm. So. You might be sitting at your chamber saying, there is no way we're going to endorse candidates because it's risky, it's scary. What if the wrong person gets elected and they hate me and they kill our budget or they take away our contract or, you know, 
And what I don't hear people asking when we have these conversations, you know, what if, what if I lost my contract with the city, but 500 businesses in my community joined the chamber as a result of, of actually finally meaning something to them? What if I didn't need that contract anymore? Or what if, what if standing up for, you know, a principal that got you in a fight over your contract uh, and you win it or you lose it? Um, you know, I think chambers have to um, remember that it's probably uh, more important to be respected than to be liked um, when it comes to these types of issues and and doing the right thing um, is, you know, it's going to get you, it's going to at least get you respected. So it takes a lot of courage, a lot of faith, I would say, yeah. to step yeah. up some thing, to have that integrity. How would you suggest a, a chamber? I don't know how you just grow integrity like that, but <laughs> how do you step up to that challenge against the, you know, the headwinds that, that come at you? Well, I think you're right. And I want to be careful not to, you know, um, uh, sound like I'm patting myself on the back. I, I would just, I think to try to objectively answer your question, I, um, I don't know that you gain that on the job. I think you bring it with you, right? So it's probably up to boards to make sure they're hiring people who have courage, who have integrity, who aren't afraid to you know, run into the fire um, and then turn them loose and, and let them do the right thing. So I'd, I'd like to think that in my case, those were traits or characteristics that I, I brought with me. You know, it wasn't like one day I just said, hey, this integrity thing seems, you know, I listened to John Wooden and this integrity thing seems pretty cool. I got to get me one of those. Um, <laughs> it, it just, um, you know, for me, uh, uh, defending business um, and, um, and helping people like my folks but not go bankrupt um, was kind of a true north for me. And, um, and, and I, I guess I um, didn't waver uh, and I'm proud of that. So, and I'm proud of our organization because you have to, you've got to have a staff and you got to have a board who are all in. And so, you know, I, I don't know, you know, you asked about how you, how you get the integrity to do that. Um, um, you know, that, those, those are characteristics people have to bring to the table. What you really need first to get started is guts. Mm -hmm. And you have to know um, you're, you're going to get punched in the teeth every once in a while and be willing to take it. What did Mike, Ty I'm not, I don't usually quote Mike Tyson, but you know, what did he <laughs> say? Everybody's got a fight plan until you get punched in the mouth or something That's like right. that, you know? And so your board and your staff has to say, um, we're going to go into the ring. We're going to, we're going to throw a few and we're going to take a few. And when we take one, we can't go in the corner and curl up and suck our thumb. We got to go back out and answer the bell. That's right. You know, I had heard a quote one time that said, if you want to change policy, you got to change 
unfortunately that that Man. might have to apply to chambers too so if you don't have that integrity if you can't summon up those guts um watch out you know well you know yeah. this is something that uh good friends of mine like um the late mike mclaren and and uh, dave kilby who is still living um uh, and, and I have been saying for years, and it's really a page we store up, stole out of good to great. And that is, you, you've got to have the right butts in the seats, mm -hmm. right? So you think about this bus and people are on the bus and people are off the bus and people ought to get off the bus, you know, um, that are on it, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, you've got to have, um, you know, if you have a board, for example, that's made up of you know, half your board is made up of um, bureaucrats and city officials or county officials. And then suddenly you want to be bold and take on the city and the county. It's going to be tough. Yeah. And if you're the CEO, you might actually be the uh, the victim of uh, of that uh, newfound boldness. So you got to make sure that you've got. Uh, so you got to be bold, but you've got to you've got to get the right players um on the team or in the clubhouse or on the bus however you want to put it absolutely so i know we're we're starting to get a little bit short on time but i wanted to to ask a couple of these questions that i like to to ask everyone that i have on the show um what would be maybe one tip or action item based on our discussion today that a chamber champion could do to help elevate their organization up to the next level? You know, we have a tendency, I think, in the, in the chamber biz to think if we're not planting a flag on the moon, we didn't do something big, right? I hear it a lot. And, and um, you know, we weren't always a big chamber. Maybe we were a medium-sized chamber, but I have always had such great admiration for the small chambers in our country. And, and I tell my friends, that run small chambers, I appreciate them and, and sometimes envy them, um, especially once we became a large chamber, because they, they do it all, right? They have to, they have to do it all. They play every role, they wear every hat, they've got to be um, much more creative sometimes than those of us that have a, a little bit more in the way of resources or people. Um, but you know, if you think about what Tip O'Neill said, all politics is local. So you're asking me like, what's a thing, uh, what's something that, that uh, a chamber could do to make a difference? Don't think that you have to be like the Medford-Jackson County Chamber or the Sacramento Chamber or the Seattle Chamber or the Vegas Chamber, et cetera, et cetera. Um, maybe you have a great city council and a bad mayor. And the chamber says, you know what, we're, we're going to go out and recruit one of our past chairs to run for mayor and we're going to help her win. We're going to raise the money and we're going to create a team and we're going to get a good mayor who actually cares about the business people. That one thing could be the biggest thing that happens in a particular community and they didn't have to elect somebody president of the United States or to Congress or land somebody on the moon. They simply changed one of the most important positions in their community. And, and quite frankly, on a relative scale, that might be more important than some of the work we do. 
right? Yeah, absolutely. Now we're we're you know historically we're usually in ten or twelve legislative uh, races every election cycle, and we have probably I'm I'm trying to be conservative here, but I bet our success rate it's it's ninety five percent plus. Wow. Um, it, it might be 97 or 98. I'm just going to say 95 to be conservative. Um, you know, we, we always seem to lose one um, uh, every every cycle, and that's because we've got a couple of districts that just don't don't benefit pro business candidates. Um, but we give them hell in those too, right? Um, we we don't stop. We don't let that stop us from recruiting candidates and and raising money. In fact, I, I know we're running out of time, but I want to share this because it's an example I use almost every time some other you know, fellow chamber exec asks me what, what happens when you lose. Longtime incumbent senator, uh, not a friend of the chambers, not a friend of, of local business, but continued to get elected in, in one of these districts I, I referred to. So we recruited somebody and we raised over 800,000 bucks and we lost by about 280 votes, 260 mm. votes, something like that. <laughs> and everybody said, oh man, grab, you know, grab your, grab your uh, hats and, and hang on because it's, it's going to be a bumpy ride. We never had a better relationship with that senator until we did that because he knew we had the we had the the guts and the capacity to almost take them out for change yeah for change and and if he continued to be that bad we were going to continue to take another stab at it. and we did i mean we got friendlier and friendlier but we still tried to take him out every time <laughs> <laughs> but, but the but the Politics. point is the relationship got better not worse yeah um, he, he had, he had, I guess you could say, a, a, maybe a, a little bit of a healthy fear of, uh, of the chamber and it made him think about his policy decisions more than he ever had prior to that. That's good. That's a really good example. I like yeah. that. So as we look to the future of chambers, how yeah. do you see their, their purpose going forward? Well, you know, I think you actually said this uh, at the beginning of the show, and and it was some it was kind of a mantra for me with our staff and our board um, at the beginning of this pandemic. I truly believe that was and still is a time for chambers to shine. There is so much to do, um, and and a lot of people are standing around looking uh, for for someone to do it right. Um, which way do we go? And fingers are pointing in, you know, 15 different directions. Um, what a great time. I don't like the confusion. I don't like the uncertainty. I know business uh, markets don't like uncertainty, but what a great time for chambers, chamber boards, chamber CEOs to step in and provide the kind of leadership that people are looking for, not just chamber members, but business businesses in general and communities in general. We, we established a policy during the pandemic. We were not going to turn anybody away. We're a membership organization. We do things for members historically. During the pandemic, I told our team, um, you know, don't, 
don't play the you're not a member game. Somebody comes to us uh, in the middle of the night who needs help and they're ready to close their businesses, help them. And we, we probably got more complimentary phone calls, emails, and text messages from non-members when, you know, when things started to subside and ease up a little bit. We had so many small business people say, I would not have made it had it not been for the information the chamber shared about getting my PPP money or, you know, where to go for this resource or how to find FEMA during the wildfires, et cetera. And that was a real rewarding uh, feeling. So, um, you know, do the right thing. And, and I suppose uh, good, good things will follow. I like that. Do the right thing. That's kind of been the whole episode, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so opportunity for anybody listening that wanted to reach out and connect with you, learn a little bit more from you. What would be the best way for them to reach out and connect? Well, as I, as I mentioned, uh, my new company's name is RBI, or Representing Business Issues. Uh, my website's still under development, um, but I can be reached um, at brad at representingbusinessissues.com or at 541-210-3334. And always, always ha- happy to help a, a fellow chamber exec. Um, uh, I obviously this industry is coursing through my veins, and uh, I'll always be a part of it in some capacity. And would welcome any any of those phone calls or emails. Awesome. Well, I will get that in our show notes. But Brad, I've enjoyed this conversation with you. Likewise, um, I, I appreciate your integrity and the guts that you've shown throughout your career <laughs> and the family shares you shared with us today. And uh, just thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks what you're thanks for what you're doing too. This is it's fun, and and I've enjoyed watching you uh, interview friends of mine, and and uh, uh, was was glad uh, for it to finally be my turn in the barrel. If you are a Chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Would you be interested in creating even more value from the processes that you're already doing on a daily basis? Swipe It has been one of my sponsors for Chamber Chat from the beginning. Swipe It provides credit card payment solutions that will save your chamber up to 40% on your processing fees, and Swipe It can integrate your credit card processing seamlessly into your existing membership software. Swipe It does not charge chambers to switch, and they will make switching simple. In addition to these savings, Swipe It has an affinity program for Chambers of Commerce, so you can earn more non-dues revenue to support your budget. Learn more about Swipe It by requesting your free cost savings analysis and become more profitable today by visiting chamberchatpodcast.com slash cc, as in credit card. Again, 
That's chamberchatpodcast.com slash cc. And you can join many other chambers as you begin swiping with Swipe It.